Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up? This is Brian Head Welch, formerly of Corn, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This Sunday at 11.30, the independent film channel presents Z-Rock, a new comedy series about three guys the girls love it. who are in a rock band by night and a kids band by day. <laughs> Z-Rock, based on a kind of true story with special guests Sebastian Bach, John Popper, Gilbert Godfrey, Dee Snyder, Dave Navarro. Who here has banged Carmen Electra? And Joan Rivers. I'm very excited. You can't tell because I had the Botox this morning. Z-Rock premieres this Sunday at 11.30, only on IFC, the independent film channel. Broadcasting around the world, around the world, around the world, from Jersey City, New Jersey. This is the Talking Metal Podcast. Here are your hosts, Mark Striegel and John Astronomy. Hey, this is John Astronomy. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I am coming to you from Jersey City, New Jersey, directly in front of the famous Colgate sign. Put a picture of that in our show notes at www.talkingmetal.com. I am standing next to a chain-link fence, barbed wire on top, and if I went any further, I would be in the Hudson River. And uh, they don't want that to happen, so that's why they block it off with a fence. I am looking directly over at Lower Manhattan, Ground Zero. I can actually... See the Statue of Liberty to my right. A uh, bunch of boats in the water. It's a really, really nice day here. I uh, do, however, take note of Hurricane Gustav. And uh, I hope everybody down in the uh, Gulf Coast region is doing okay. I hope everybody evacuated from New Orleans. It was a mandatory evacuation. Sunday, by the way. Tomorrow's Labor Day. You guys are going to hear this later tonight. And that rarely happens because we usually tape these things in advance. So... Mark is away uh, with his wife on vacation. Uh, He will be back very soon, so I am going to just set this one up by myself. We did a great interview with Brian Head Welch, former corn guitarist. He has a brand new album out on Driven Records called Save Me From Myself, which is also the title of his book that came out last year. He's got an edited version, a junior edition, if you will, uh, that just came out as well. And uh, we did a great interview, literally... (laughs) Just on the other side of Ground Zero uh, at the Millennium Hotel. Really, technically only a couple of miles from where I'm standing. And I I could probably actually even see it if I recognize the building because uh, I'm looking directly at Lower Manhattan. But anyway, Brian was really great. He was actually one of the coolest people we've ever interviewed, in my opinion. And I'm sure Mark would feel the same way. Uh, We had just an insane week last week. First off... I wound up talking to my good friend Derek Hawkins from Ace Frehley's band on Monday. He had called me the previous week, but uh, my ex-girlfriend had some uh, surgery, so uh, I was kind of jammed up. So I gave him a call on Monday. He was telling me about what he was up to, and we hope to get him on the podcast very, very soon. 
And we hope to get Ace on the podcast very, very soon. Something I have not yet asked. You guys might wonder, why have you done a podcast for a couple of years yet you've never had your friend Ace Frilly on? And the answer is I haven't asked, only because I like to keep our relationship uh, a friendship. No business, just, you know, hanging out and, you know, having a fun time and stuff like that. But he's got a new album coming out, so... You know, we'd love to have him on the podcast. And a really, really nice boat is going by right now. Um, looks like a cruise ship, but it's just a private boat, man. Millions of dollars. This area is pretty crazy. Apartment buildings in the area go for millions of dollars. Not all of them, but basically your your average two-bedroom is about seven fifty to 800000 There are some penthouses that are like $3 million. It's just pretty crazy. So, really cool area. It's called Paulus Hook. I'm standing next to the Colgate sign, as I said, Colgate clock, actually, and the tallest building in New Jersey. It's called the Goldman Sachs building. But anyway, how did I get on that? Back to what we were doing. Monday, spoke with Derek Hawkins of Aces Band. Tuesday, we met up with Head. That's when we did this interview. Then after that, Mark and I went to see a private concert by In This Moment uh, at a really small club. It was supposed to be at a place called Spotlight Live, but there was a killing, a murder, believe it or not, there like a week or so ago, a week or two ago. It was at Little Kim's birthday party and uh, someone was killed little kim had nothing to do with it but uh, the murder did take place at the party and uh, what happened was they had to move it down to a place and i already forgot the name of it but uh, it was the same place that we saw guns and roses at their first after party at the first of four sold out nights at the hammerstein ballroom a few years ago uh so we went there we had a blast in this moment was great it was great to see everybody uh blasco their manager Blasco's from Ozzy, formerly a Rob Zombie. He was there. John Miller from Devil Driver was there. Uh, it was just a, a great hang, great night. Then on Wednesday, I got up early again, headed out to the Meadowlands area that is now home of uh, Giant Stadium, the brand new stadium coming in there. Uh, this big giant mall called Xanadu, which is still in construction. It's going to be the largest mall in the entire country, and it has a indoor ski slope it's pretty crazy and then also of course the continental airlines arena which is now called the izod center and i went out there to see not necessarily a metal band but a metal musician who is playing in a great band called nine inch nails and i'm talking about robin fink i actually beat robin to the place he he hadn't yet arrived once i got there but uh, his tech chris let me in the building and we had a blast i'm actually going to move up guys because uh i don't know i'm looking at something that looks like uh dead snake skin you know like when they shed their skin so might be a good idea for me to move up a little further away from that fence next to the river so anyway uh yeah robin was great chris his tech was unbelievable chris morrison is his name he has such an insane job i, I mean it's a great job but it's crazy robin has 18 guitars with him on tour other instruments like mandolin something that looked like a recorder that he was blowing into a slide guitar all kind of different stuff you know, it's just amazing the amount of effects, amplifiers, and you got to be on the ball because you got to be switching all that at the same time. You got to be tuning guitars, and it's an amazing thing. The show was unbelievable. You should see these screens that they had. If you have a chance, go see Nine Inch Nails because there are screens in front of the band sometimes, screens behind the band, screens behind the screens behind the band, and uh, it is just the coolest thing I've ever seen. I, I literally have not seen this technology on any tour. 
by any band. And this was a first, so really, really cool. Robin was great. Hung out with him. Hung out with Bumblefoot after the show. And Tony Harnell from TNT was there as well. We met up with him after the show. Tony uh, played a gig in New York with a new band he has, a new project he has called Starbreaker. Unfortunately, I was doing an interview Friday night, the day of his gig. I'm glad I was doing the interview, but I'm sad that I missed his gig. But I'm sure I'll see him again in the future. So that was Wednesday. Then Thursday, I uh, met up with... Paulie Z from ZO2 at the Gibson Guitar Showroom. After that, headed over to Broadway Video, which is a great studio in New York. We did a interview with Rick Ernst and Rat Skates from the great movie Get Thrashed. It's already been out in theaters, but here's what you got to do: you got to buy it on DVD. That's really why we were doing an interview. The DVD is coming out very, very soon, so we'll keep you posted on that. We're going to have that interview coming up. Then that was on Thursday. Friday, met up with the great, great Carmine Apiece and Z from Carmine's new project, Carmine Apiece's Slam. We got an interview with Carmine coming up. So just basically rock and roll, heavy metal all week. It was crazy, but I had a great time. And without any further ado, let's get into this interview with Brian Head Welch, formerly of Corn. We had lunch with Brian and Greg Shannenberger from Driven Records. And let's hear a little bit of Brian with Corn. This is Freak on a Leash. We're then going to check out the interview. And then right after that, we are going to follow it up and end today's show with the song Flush from Save Me For Myself by Brian Head Welch. Right now, here's Freak on a Leash. Something takes a part of me. Something lost and never seen Every time I start to believe Something's raped and taken from me, from me Life's gotta always be messing with me Can't it chill and let me be free Can't I take away all this pain Welcome to Talking Metal. This is John Astronomy here with Mark Striegel, and we are with Brian Head Welch down at the Millennium Hotel, directly across from Ground Zero. Brian, thanks for coming by. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Really well. We are really psyched because we have the copy of your new album, Save Me From Myself, and both Mark and I have been listening to it for the last few days, and it's killer. Some incredible musicians join you on this. Josh Fries, who's played with everybody from Sting to A Perfect Circle to Nine Inch Nails. How'd you hook up with Josh? A friend just uh, was doing some work with him in um, his dad's studio, and he had his contact info, and I said, get that guy down here and see what he does. And... 
I didn't really hear his playing before, so when he came down, he just tore it up, and my jaw was like left hung open, and I was. He 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 played like twenty two songs for me. It was just amazing. And Tony Levin, uh, the great bass yeah. player who's done a lot of stuff, including Peter Gabriel. Yeah, that guy is just so amazing too. And you know what the craziest thing about these two guys is they're like nice guys. You know, like really humble and really nice guys. And it's it's cool to see someone people so big and and good at what they do like be so humble. You know, it's cool to work with. To stick man Tony Levin. <laughs> now, the one thing people should know about the the new record is this is heavy stuff. And having said that, I know Tony has done work with Steve Stevens and has done some harder stuff. But this is probably some of the heaviest stuff he's done. Is he into the the hard and heavy stuff? Yeah, actually, he said his daughter was a corn fan, so he wanted to like go out and, and play with me. So maybe that'll happen in the future. Uh, it was he was definitely like challenged with some of the stuff because it's just different. It's not like all complicated enough. It's just different from what he's played, you know. And uh he just I mean he's Tony Levin. So he 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 picked it up like, you know, it's no big deal at all. So it was cool like he was ask he's asking me like, you know, is this is this how I do it, you know? And I'm like, dude, just do it. You're Tony. You can do anything. And I'd be like, yeah, it's awesome. But it was fun. Now, Brian, I was really impressed with your vocals, and how was it singing lead for the first time on an album? Well, thank you, by the way. Um, it was challenging. I got a lot of respect for vocalists because to find your vocal sound and get the confidence, and I didn't understand how to do it all. You know, um, I watched Jonathan do it, but doing my own thing, trying to come up with that was it was challenging, and um, I had to get over a couple hurdles, and I I got there, and. Uh, it, it became fun too you know at first it was like ugh, i was throwing things and dealing with anger and stuff and and then uh it got better so i'm happy with it when you went into the studio at first did you have a basic framework of the songs down possibly with a click track and then josh and tony came in and played over that or did you get in there and just start the songs in a live kind of a setting yeah i did it um where i wrote the songs electronically and stuff and I had Josh come in and just play with what I had. And he's he's so, you know, a lot of drummers, it might not have worked like that, but Josh is just so on it with the click and everything. And he just nailed it, man. And we just built it from there. So I think that's the way, like, Linkin Park did it. You know, they they got together and they built, they did the songs. And they're like, okay, now we got to figure out how to do this live. So, I'd, you know, I'd, with Korn, I did it. The whole time I did it with uh, the whole band getting into a room and just jam and come up with riffs, you know, and then Jonathan put his... So I wanted to do it different, and so it was fun. It was fun to just do everything different. Now, the first single off the record is a song called Flush, and i just like to comment. I was listening with a, a friend of mine who's a Corn fan to the single yesterday, and he was... It, the comment he said was, this sounds more like Corn than Corn does nowadays, which I thought was kind of interesting. And was there a conscious effort to kind of keep the same sound going that you had in the corn days, or is just kind of this is what came out of you? It's what came out of me. I knew that I liked the heavy stuff, and I liked to to play what I like to play, and um, it just came out. You know, it just kind of happened that they went one direction, and I went. I kind of went back to the older corn stuff, you know, and, and uh, 
just uh, updated it and threw my new stuff in there. Um, I don't know, man. It's what a lot of things went down when I left Corn, and part of it was I didn't like the music dr- musical direction I was going with the guys, and I was having troubles in every area of my life, including musically. I was getting away from what I loved, you know, and on this stuff I was able to do what I love to do, which is heavy music and you know being real and just singing about real stuff kind of like corn was in the beginning you know cool and you just did a video for that uh for the song flush that's uh, gonna be appearing soon yeah it's crazy it's a crazy video um very pleased with it um it's it's dark it's real it's shocking and it's uh it's uplifting too but it's it's not what people are expecting i know that I saw some of the performance footage online, and that looked great, but I heard there's some really gritty and, like you said, shocking parts of the video that you haven't exposed yet. Yeah, I don't want to give it all away. I mean, it's it's just, it's not over the top. It's just like, it's just a cool video, you know? It's like, I remember when Blind came out, you know, it's just a, a cool video. And this one is too. It's like, it's a cool looking video, but it's got some, some shocking things. It's like, they're going to, people are going to be like, I don't know. It's just it's it's trippy. That's all I'm gonna say. It's a lot of great songs on the record. I one that struck me as maybe a little a little different sound wise was called "Washed by Blood," and I mean it made me think that you could possibly even do movie scoring and stuff like that. It had a real epic kind of uh, oh, wow. sound you. to it. And what inspired that? And where did some of the orchestrated sounds come from? What inspired that was just. You know, my whole life, I, I wrote about it in the book there, just saved me from myself, just, I, I dug myself in a hole of depression and just anger and abuse with my ex-wife and drugs and everything, or it just, it came on me and I was just, I felt this weighty pressure, and when I went to Christ, it's like his blood washes all that away and it makes you free, and I just got inspired to write that song, you know. The lyrics are washed by blood from deep inside. You're not a prisoner of your old life. A brand new start. It's time that I rebuild your heart. And that's just what happened to me. And uh, the the music just kind of came to me. I heard I heard the strings like the, chun, 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 the the theatrical strings in it, and I heard the guitar riff, and uh, the chorus came, and it just kind of built from there, man. It. I, I remember when I started it, I was like, I want this to be like like a Masters of Puppets song, you know, like like just long and like trippy with that. Yeah, and it even did kind of the breakdown with the guitars and stuff. So uh, thanks, Metallica. <laughs> well, thank you. The record is, again, called Save Me From Myself. You can download it on iTunes. We're going to have links up in today's show notes as to where you can purchase that. And good stuff, highly recommended. I had a couple more questions about the album. I like the fact that there are children involved in the making of it. Uh, there's the choir on the song Rebel. And I wanted to ask, is that your daughter in the song Home? Yeah, yeah. At the end, at the end, yeah, that's my daughter. She was with uh, our old, uh, or I guess he's still the security guard for Corn. this guy named Loke. Um, he took her in the studio and, and had her sing and stuff. And she just messing around. And I thought it was cute. And I cut it down a little bit and stuck it on there. And the next song, Save Me For Myself, is about me wanting to get off drugs and be a good father and stuff. So I thought it fit in well good. And, and I, like, I like that innocence with the, with the minor chords and the, the eeriness of like, the minor music with childlike things. It just, 
it sounds like wacky to me. I love it. You remember, I don't know if you're a KISS fan, but the song God of Thunder had Bob Ezrin's son and or daughter, I believe, and, and a couple other children uh, involved in it, and it was kind of the same thing. It kind of had a pretty cool vibe oh, to it. Really? I haven't heard that. Well, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it's on the uh, album Destroyer. And one of the other things I wanted to talk about is the lyrics of a lot of the songs are autobiographical, but at the same time, there are parts where you're actually speaking to other young people out there, and I think that these lyrics can be uplifting and could maybe prevent some of the young kids out there who are going through some problems going in a negative direction. Yeah, I think so. You know, I was thinking that when I was writing some of the stuff. I think some people will just like the music because it's it's a rockin' album. Some people, it'll steer away from some of the stuff that I went through. Some people, it might, it will take some people out of addictions and stuff. I know that it's going to, because there's power in, over, in testimonies and stuff. And, and then some people, you know, won't like it. There's just something for everybody. Even the haters. <laughs> I think the corn fans are actually going to be real psyched to hear this, especially since it does sound like a lot of old corn. All right on. Well, thank you. I'm excited for them to hear it. Cool. Now, before we kind of maybe go back and, and talk about some of your past, I wanted to mention the book, which I'm currently five chapters into, Save, Save Me From Myself, same name as the CD. Now, there's also an alternate version of the book, which is more for possibly younger readers. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the book company, Harper, uh, Harper Collins, they wanted to do a junior version, and it was... It was their idea, and I was like, you know what, my kid's 10 years old, she hasn't read my book, I'd rather her read an edited down version. They took the gory stories out and some of the the cussing and stuff like that and just hit the younger audience, so cool. Washed by Blood is that version in the book, so we recommend everybody check that out, especially the younger Talking Metal listeners. Absolutely. And, Brian, I wanted to talk about some of the philanthropic work that you've been doing. Head House, it just sounds like such an amazing venture, and uh, are there plans for additional ones? Um, I kind of, that was then, and I'm not connected with them right now, but I'd like to do some uh, stuff in the in the future with some people, like maybe do something in the States, you know? I wanted to ask about, like, some of your work in the past uh, that you've done with Korn. One thing that, that I always noticed was there were never any guitar solos, and I, I knew, I know that when you were growing up, you liked a lot of the, the 80s hard rock and stuff that had guitar solos. Why Why did you guys in corn shy away from guitar solos because we we figured that you know there was one guy getting all the show in the in the 80s stuff and you know like one guy goes and gets the the middle part of the song we we figured like how about we all come up with something cool and everybody can do something and, and take the song somewhere else you know so it's like the whole band solo kind of kind of deal so that's how we came up with that you know and you just wanted to get um, do something new, you know. And guitar solos sometimes it it seemed like uh, you know we don't want to show off too much, you know. We just wanted to do be a unit, so that's a, that's what happened. Until another brick in the wall, then I got to solo. <laughs> now, are you using seven string gear or six string stuff? Six string baritone tuned like the seven strings. I just, just, I tried everything new, so it's still thick, fat sound as you can hear. What are some of your memories of working with Ross Robinson on the first two Corn records? Um, it's like working with a little kid. He's like really, it's like he gets excited about things. Like, oh, cool, man! 
And he's like, he's so innocent and childlike, you know, and he still is. I talked to him a couple of years ago, and he's, uh, I guess he's dealing with the new corn stuff now, too, and he was cool, and he's very motivating, and he's focused, you know, he's not always a kid. He would, like, and he'd always, like, bring that stuff out of Jonathan, you know, like, help him, like, feel that pain or whatever, and, you know. And I wanted to talk about the record label, Driven. We actually have Greg here with us as well. And uh, how did you guys decide to come up with a label? And then what were the the elements that it took to get the label off the ground? Um, we, Me and Greg been together. We were at a former company called Fortitude Entertainment. And we left that company and met Mark Nawara. And Mark has been in the industry uh, for like 20 years, something like that. And... He had some bands and stuff, and we just, it was like, you know, I'm, I was at a crossroads, you know, I'm either I'm going to do this music, or I'm going to uh, split and go take another approach, you know, and so we just, we formed the label, and Mark brought some bands, some cool bands um, with him, and we're, we're started up, and, and uh, we're excited, man, and we got some cool releases, and and I'm stoked about mine, but I'm also stoked for the other bands that are coming out, too. We actually just turned the recorder off for a minute to uh, have some butternut squash soup. How about that soup? Butternut squash soup rocks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> now, this might be a little premature, but can we expect more solo records from you in the future? Uh, I read somewhere that you already had a second and third one planned. Yeah, I wrote a bunch of songs, and... Uh, keep writing them so they're flowing out of me now the gift was uh um refilled i guess because i tapped out towards the end of my drug use i just tapped out and i couldn't write anymore but when i quit and found god and stuff it's just like it's, it seems like a new refreshed gift was poured into me it's pretty cool and on that tip being that you had problems with with drugs and alcohol and God obviously helped you with these problems. Is it still a struggle for you to stay away from that stuff? Is it a constant struggle every day, or do you are you not tempted by this stuff at all? I'm not tempted, but when I get around someone that's like drunk or something, it kind of makes me feel weird. You know, it's like I don't know. It just it's annoying. I think any drunk person will annoy a sober person, but. I don't knock anybody that parties or can keep their stuff under control, you know. It's just I'm talking about what I went through and how it nearly killed me. So, you know, there's a lot of problems with addictions, but I'm not here to ruin no one's party either if that's what they choose to do, you know. I'm not a judgmental guy at all. What do you say to somebody who says, well, you didn't have to quit corn to get sober and clean. You could have done it and stayed in the band. Do you disagree with that? Well, uh, yeah, I could have stayed there, but I didn't want to anymore. You know, I didn't like the direction. Like I said, you know, I wanted to play heavier music, and it seems like we were all trying to change with the with the styles that were, you know, we wanted to stay relevant in, the, in today's uh, music. You know, we wanted to fit in in radio and stuff, so I wanted to get away from that like back in the beginning radio didn't like us at all and we were happy you know we were like yeah so i wanted to go back to that you know and and once 
when I found my faith, that gave me strength to like stand up and do what's right instead of like just staying in the big band because it's a big band, you know. Right. Just because it's, you know, whatever. I just I got strength to do what I knew I wanted to do inside, which is heavy music, and now I'm I'm getting some resistance from radio because it is heavy, you know, and it is my change and stuff. I didn't make the most popular change, you know, either. The, you know, talking about Christ and all that stuff. It's like, it's not all that popular, but it's what I believe in. And I'm, and I'm not afraid to stand up for it, you know, and it's, uh, it's fun, man. It's fun. It's, it's cool to be in that spot again where you're like the underdog, you know, it was too easy before it got too easy. Like corn can put out anything and like get played on all the radio stations, you know, just cause it's the name and stuff. And I like to, I like to challenge myself now. <laughs> Back when you were in Corn, you were one of the primary songwriters. Did you come in with full songs like you have done for your current record? And did you write lyrics, or how was the writing process? How did it differ then towards now? Um, before, with Corn, I would get beer, pound beer, put my guitar on, and uh, hang out with the guys in the room and just try to write something. And... Uh, and then Jonathan would come in, you know, he'd be there and he'd be like humming stuff. Oh, that's cool. Or he'd like be the director and he would, if we came up with something cool and he had a good vocal sound, we'd do it. He'd record it and then he'd put words to it later. So this time I did it all different. I did, everything was different. You know, I said, I'm changing everything. And I got to, I got to come up with all the parts for the songs myself. And that was, that was fun too. So like I said earlier, you know, it was just, I, I tried everything different and it, Nothing was really the same as I did it in Quorum. I really like the electronic sounds on the album. And, uh, you know, I've played synthesizers for many years, but just the approach and the execution of what you have done I think is great. And I was just wondering, how do you approach the keyboard and synth stuff? I recorded all, or I wrote all the songs uh, electronically on the computer first, came up with the idea, got some cool synth sounds. But when I built the song with the guitars, I was like, if I liked the synth sound, I would leave the synth sound, but I would get a, a guitar sound that would match with the synth. So I'd never left a synth, maybe once or twice on the album, but rarely on the album did I, did I leave a synth by itself. I'd always put a guitar with it. So you're hearing a guitar and a synth. And um, I think it came out with a spacier sound and a cooler atmospherical sound, or if that's a word. Is that a word, At- atmospherical? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Head's dictionary. Oh, anyway, it's a uh, it's really you know a tripped out sound and and uh, when I was writing the keyboard parts, it was just a I wouldn't, I'm thinking okay that a good guitar part would go here and I'd get a keyboard sound just to mimic a guitar sound, but when the sound was cool, I just decided to keep it and put a guitar on top of it. When you look back at where you guys came from, I mean, you were really the first band. I mean not including people like Steve Vai, who was obviously playing a totally different style of music, but the first band to start using the seven-string guitars with that low sound dominating your your music. And it seemed like three to four years after that, there were like just dozens and dozens of bands playing the seven-string guitars, some of them just blatant knockoffs of what you guys had done. Were you able to look at any of them and enjoy what they were doing, or were they all kind of just like second-rate copycats um we enjoyed it because it was like it was just cool to see like 
you know, people get so influenced by us. I mean, it was like Metallica before was and still is like just a huge influence on so many people. And then people would like got into thrash metal, you know, and then we we got a, a heavy sound, which was similar to, to Metallica or whatever, but it was just different. And it, it was so impacting that people wanted that sound. So it was re- very flattering to us. Um, sometimes there was like bands that you're like, oh man, that's like they basically just ripped ripped off a riff, you know. But then there was other bands that I felt like were influenced by us, but took it to a, a different level, a different place, you know. Like uh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not going to mention any bands, but just I know System always, you know, pointed to the first Corn record as being influential on them. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, see, there's an example right there. I mean, those guys are just amazing, you know, what what they did. And uh, I think, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think Linkin Park maybe might have sure. been too. And that look at where they took it, you know. It's like they, those, both those bands took it somewhere else, you know. And, and maybe we're influenced, but they don't sound nothing like us, you know. They're amazing. There's another band that we've had in the podcast called Lacuna Coil, from Italy that uh, told us that they were definitely influenced by you guys. Are you familiar with their work at all? What, what are they called? Lacuna Coil. No, sorry. I know you did some touring with Marilyn Manson, Corn toured Marilyn Manson in the back in the day, and you know Wes Borland. Any thoughts on him recently joining Marilyn Manson's band? Um, be careful, because that guy throws a lot of stuff. Just, <laughs> just watch your back. No, I'm sure maybe he's changed a lot, but... Uh, um, man, have fun. I don't know. <laughs> no, he's if Wes is a back when I knew him anyway. He's just a trippy guy, so it seems like he would fit in good there. We'll see. I know you did a lot of jamming with the guys like Wes and some of the other Limp Bizkit guys, and I've read somewhere that you had said that when you were making the new album, it was a different experience going into the studio with guys like Tony and Josh, who were more on these like pro studio musician kind of guys. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was just like it goes back to what I keep saying. Everything I did is different, you know, because I want I wanted to call my old friends to come in and play lay tracks for me, but something told me not to do it and just let things happen. And then little did I know, you know, I I, I just waited and then someone come to me, you know, hey, how about Tony Levin, you know, you want to get him? And I was like, that'd be cool, you know. And so I got blessed by waiting. But I've, in the beginning, I was like, let's do this. I'm going to call up Sam Rivers, you know, from the bass player Limp Bizkit. I tried to get Fieldy to come in and play some stuff. But it rained that day, like, massively. And he was afraid to – or well, not afraid, but he was like, I don't drive, man. It's all crazy. <laughs> I go, all right. No, wasn't meant to be. Never hooked up with him again. You know, so it was crazy. It was just like – I really live by faith. And I just think I, – I, I, I've watched things happen now. I, I believe things happen for a reason, and just kind of go with it. You're like, that's fun. It's fun like that. and Because you, you kind of let go of control and just let things flow into place, and it, it gives me peace to live like that. And you mentioned your faith again. Is there a certain church that you're affiliated with in, in your hometown? Uh, you're in Arizona now, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not against church at all, and, and I believe it helps a lot of people. I got led to a church to get to know God. But uh, I'm I'm totally into the personal relationship with God, and uh, 
I don't like getting up Sunday mornings. I'm I'm a metalhead. I mean, what metalhead likes to get up Sunday mornings? You know, so I just I, I focus on the everyday relationship. I invite God into my music, into my life, into everything, and and you know I don't got to be all religious to, and to to do that. You know, and I can look how I look and play heavy heavy music and be more empowered than I've I've ever been in my life. So no, I don't I don't I'm not a member of a church or anything. Brian, before we let you go, I wanted to ask about a name that I've been hearing a lot about, and that's Bob Claremont. Yeah, Bob, uh, he, he's a huge name in the industry, obviously. He's Rolling Stones, to, to all, who knows all kinds of stuff he's done. But he mixed um, Home and Save Me From Myself. And uh, he was going to mix the whole album, but we found a guy in town named Ralph Patlin. And that guy just blew me away, man. He... He did Loyalty, the song Loyalty, and it came out so good. I was like, you're doing the rest of the record. And it just, Bob Bob mixes are good too. It's just, they're different. But um, it was cool. Bob was another guy that's just really humble, man, and really quiet and just does his thing. And it was cool working with him too. Well, Ed, we really appreciate you joining us on Talking Metal. I want to recommend that all the Talking Metal listeners pick up your brand new CD, Save Me From Myself, some really great, great heavy stuff on there. We're going to sample a little bit of it in about one minute right here. And also, pick up the book, Save Me From Myself, which uh, I would love it if you could sign my copy before we uh, split today. You got it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just I'm just sharing my stuff, you know. You've read it. It's not preachy. Just sharing my stuff, what I went through. And, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't have to lose my... My love for heavy music, and I think it's heavier than anything I've done in in years. So I'm proud of it. Yeah, you should be. It's great stuff. And one last question. Uh, you know, there's some great pictures in the book here of you as a kid with, uh, I guess I would call it, big hair and the, the Charvel guitar there. What were some of your favorite 80s metal bands? George Lynch was my guy, if you couldn't tell from that picture. That, um, some people would think that that's embarrassing to put stuff like that because it's like I'm, I'm i loved you know i had fun i was a metalhead still am and uh george lynch just was a shredder to me and he had that his vibrato and his and his solos were just like like he was just so tasty and uh i like the darker stuff like wasp and uh and stuff like that i didn't like when the like the glam came like when motley Crue like got a little glitzy and glam- glamoury yeah i liked the one with uh, the evil looking stuff you know and i just love metal you know and i had i had fun metal is just it's like a it's like a family you know and you guys know and uh, it's awesome on that note we're gonna check on out and check out some music from save me for myself why don't we hear a little bit of flush you got it What's up? This is Brian Head Welch, formerly of Corn, and you're listening to Talking Metal. How did I get? Here? 